Welcome to Mental Health Uncovered, a show dedicated to having candid, everyday conversations about mental health. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Uncovered. This is your host, Seth Showalter, and today I'm going to be interviewing Brent Schiebler. I am so excited to have him because in my own editing pursuits and trying to get a book out, having someone who is a copy and line editor is truly a gift in my opinion. And so Brent um, actually is one of those. He is a copy and line editor for Inc drinker and literary services. He lives in Indiana and we're going to be getting his story today. So Brent, tell me a little bit about how you're doing. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good today. Um, a little tired, but that's typical for me. I've got seven kids and four of them are under the age of four. So I'm always tired. <laughs> I can imagine seven kids. Yes. Seven kids ranging from 12 to just turned two on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I would say that you are busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just a little. Okay. And uh, so I'm assuming, are you still married? Yes. And running that family together? Yes. Yep. So me and my wife, we got married about three and a half years ago. My Both of our second marriages. Okay. The three oldest kids are from her first marriage, but they are now legally mine. I adopted them about a year and a half ago. Okay. The youngest four are... All newer there. We got three and a half year old triplets and a two year old. <laughs> so wait, time out, rewind. You have triplets? Actually, the oldest two are twins. So we have twins and triplets. That is like super unique. Yes. Yeah. So definitely, definitely something that that is, is unique and gets a lot of questions as we go out and about throughout mm -hmm. our days. I can imagine. Everyone probably is like, are they identical or? The the twins are boy girls, so they are not identical. The triplets are not, but the two of them maybe, but we've never had them tested. The two of them look almost exactly alike, and the third one looks completely different. But okay. we're not worried about testing unless there's some genetic, you know, sickness right. reason to do it. So makes sense. We don't want to single the one out. <laughs> makes complete sense. But I was I was just curious because that does make things interesting in raising children yeah. um, if they're identical. Okay. Well, bringing you on the show, part of what we at Mental Health Uncovered are, are really focused on is destigmatizing mental health issues. And part of doing that is allowing people to share their mental health journey. Now, I am a licensed clinician and, and work in the clinical field, so I'm kind of used to talking to people about their mental health concerns and kind of working through those. But Today, what I want to hear is your journey and how you got started on your mental health journey and kind of some of the struggles and battles that you've faced to get where you are now. So tell me a little bit about what that's looked like for you. Oh, for me, it you know, my mental health battle started at a, at a young age. My parents divorced um, when I was in like kindergarten, so like five, five-ish, and I struggled with that a lot. Got a little bit of therapy then. My parents were my mom was more on board than my dad but it was kind of a a struggle you know being small town conservative background 
you know, mental health is just not something that's talked about or dealt with or nope, it's just swept under the rug. <laughs> yep. I can identify with that. So on through growing up, there's huge parts of my, my childhood that I just have no clue about. Like it's completely gone from my memory. As I, as I got into high school was my first bouse with suicidal ideations and stuff that, you know, I, I think a lot of my family still doesn't know about. I never talked about it with them. Struggled through that, had some some good friends that kind of kept me going through high school. Is that something that's gotten better over the years or something that continues to be a struggle for you? Um, it continued on through some of my adult years into my 30s. Last, last seven or so years, it's been a lot better. I finally started learning how to, how to cope and how to work through situations better. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up, stopped, stopped drinking and partying so much, which helped a ton. <laughs> Um, as you all know, alcohol is a bad thing. Yeah, substance use typically is not the most beneficial for our mental no. health overall. No, not at all. It, it'll it'll get you through in the short term, but in the long term, it definitely is detrimental. And and I've I've learned that, and you know, I've not gone one hundred percent sober, but you know, I think I have three drinks a year on very special occasions, <laughs> just because I've learned how much it affects me and how much it does change how I how I react and how I process things mentally. Okay. Well, knowing your limits is really important, but looking at those suicidal thoughts, I mean, that's a really scary thing to struggle with, especially going from, I mean, it sounds like you struggled with those for a good period of time. Um, you shared from high school, was it in high school when it started? Yeah, in high school. And then all the way up into your 30s, that's a good, that's almost, I mean, that's 15 years. That's yeah. a good period of time. So tell me about, tell me a little bit about that experience yeah so i have always struggled with feeling like i'm enough mm-hmm. for those around me you know i'm your typical you know undiagnosed adhd gifted and talented student that didn't know how to put everything into place to make it work for you mm-hmm. so you know there's always high expectations of me um, growing up and how i performed and but not having the emotional ability to know how to deal with those things, to deal with those expectations, to deal with the the letdown of not meeting what I felt I should be, what other people felt I should be. Combine that with, you know, abandonment issues with my parents. Even though I, I saw them both, they lived literally lived close enough I could walk there quicker than I could drive in high school because <laughs> I could cut three yards. When it comes to abandonment, it's not necessarily about distance. And then as I, as I grew up and went, went away to college, you know, I started basically taking on different personas for those I was around to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went away, you know, I grew up in Indiana. I went away to school in South Carolina. So nobody knew me. There was one other person from my hometown that went to the same school I did. And they went to a different school than I did. So I didn't even know them. So, so I was able to just kind of recreate myself. So on the outside, nobody nobody had a clue what was going on inside. I was able to, you know, I was a happy-go-lucky, you know, think Chris Farley, only not quite as funny. You know, I was, a, I was a big fat guy that made jokes at my own expense. How did that work for you? Hiding, like putting on this persona in a way, wearing a mask, you know, where other people weren't really knowing what was going on internally, but putting on the, you know, letting other people know, hey, I'm fine, but really being not fine. How did you handle that? Like, what did that do for you? Or how did that affect you? I think for me, it 
at the time, I don't think I don't think I realized how it affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got into my 30s, I started realizing that I really had no clue who I was because I had had so many masks and so many different personas that I really was lost for who Brent is. During that time, I had, I had gotten married at, you know, 24 ish. Even that time is, is has a lot of blank spots in it. Been divorced my first wife for about 10 years now, 11 years. But it was it was kind of towards the end of that relationship that I started realizing that that I didn't know who I really was. I I'd spent so much time wearing different masks that um, I didn't know. I, I, I referenced it one time. I used to write a blog for myself and I referenced it one time. I said, have you ever seen the movie Runaway Bride? Yes. You know, Julia Roberts character, you know, after running away from so many different weddings, she sits down there like, what kind of eggs do I like? Because mm-hmm. I always liked whatever I was, whoever I was with, whatever they, you know, even so much down to what they ordered. I ordered similar things just because I didn't know what I really liked. So I kind of, I kind of referenced, you know, that time period of my life to, to figuring out what I like to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how I, you know, kind of came to where I am now. I actually moved around a lot. I lived in South Carolina, moved to Chicago, moved to Iowa. And then about eight years ago, I moved back to Indiana and just trying to find myself and, you know, figured, you know, let's get back to family. Let's, you know, kind of reset and fully find out who I am. Mm-hmm. And and that has been, I think that's been one of the keys to the improvement in my mental health. Right. Started, you know, seeing the doctor, you know, my, my general physician getting on some medication, mental health accessibility in, in rural Indiana is not there. I've been on a wait list for almost two years now to see a professional in the area <laughs> without having to drive, you know, counselor, counselor or yeah. psychiatrist, both. I can understand the psychiatrist part, but a counselor is unacceptable. Yeah. There's, there's maybe four in the area and they're all booked up. I mean, I could drive to Indianapolis or Cincinnati, which is an hour, hour and a half away and see them regularly. But that with, with a large family, that doesn't work. I've done the, the teledoc or the, the computer meetings and they work great for a little bit, but I just, there's sometimes I just like for that, I feel like I need that personal connection. Yeah. So I use them when, when things get really bad, I have one that I use, but for the ongoing is it, I find it very difficult. Mm-hmm. I find it easy to hide behind the computer. Right. Even in a, in a you know, a video session, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to not be, to not be real. And, and I struggle with that even now. Always wanting to go back to those masks. Yeah, and the mask can be a really big temptation um, because it it provides the safety to us that, hey, I get to pretend to be someone that I'm not uh, for a period of time, in which case I don't have to worry about people knowing the real real me. But it can really wreak havoc on our lives because before we know it, as you just kind of illustrated, we don't know who we are. And it creates all kinds of confusion. Now, you mentioned that the way in which case you were able to ground yourself to really re-identify with who you are as a person was returning to your family. Is that correct? It is. I was really struggling towards the end of my first marriage. I had spent some time inpatient okay. after some things mm-hmm. took a nosedive. Um, okay. I did, you know couple two week stints inpatient. Okay. And really realized that that I had no support system where I was living anymore. I had I had quote unquote friends, but they were more just acquaintances that I only let know me on a surface level. 
Mm-hmm. I'd gotten divorced and was really just kind of floundering. I started leaving jobs that I was good at just to try to find something new, to try to find something that gave me joy again. And then I just, like I said, about, about eight years ago, I made the decision. I'm like, I'm just floundering here. I'm not getting any better. I'm just, you know, barely treading water. Maybe a change of scenery is what I need. So I moved back home. I, you know, mid thirties moved back into my mom's upstairs. There's nothing wrong with that. And it, it was the best thing for me. It gave mm-hmm. me time. I, I had a bit of savings saved up. I took, I moved home just before Thanksgiving and I had until, you know, gave myself until April. I had enough savings to live off of until, until then to reset my mind, reset my life. And, you know, at that point, start finding a job and, you know, reboot myself during that time I, I started finding you know i got back into my passion for reading acquainted with some old friends and talked to them about some of the things that happened in my past um, so i got a kind of a better understanding of where i was back in high school and early college years and could start kind of looking through and seeing some patterns of, of how that's how i really realized that i was masking so much and and living multiple personas you know, I got groups. Of, I got a couple friends together that knew me at different stages, and I was completely different. You know, a year apart, but I was the same person on the inside, and so that's how I really started to realize those patterns and started to be able to combat them. It's amazing that you were able to do that kind of on your own and do that fig- to figure that out, and just that was through those those conversations with with people from your past. It was through conversations with my people from my past. Lots of reading, reading on different issues, different coping mechanisms, different, you know, studies. I am, I'm devourer of knowledge. Hence the name of my business is ink drinker. I drink ink. I, I am constantly in a book learning something. I tend to hyper-focus. I know that comes from, you know, that ADHD type of background I have. So I, I find something and I, I learn it. I learn it until I'm proficient in it. Mm-hmm. And when I moved back home, I decided my mental health was that thing I was going to learn about. How old were you when you moved back home? Um, I was about 34, 35. 34, 35. Okay. Yeah, in my early 40s now. So. Okay. So you've kind of been on this journey as you've been, as you moved back home. And I'm assuming as you did that, at some point you were able to meet your now spouse. Is that correct? Yes. It's a, it's a funny story. I actually met my we met through Tinder oh, um, yeah. places um, when I moved back, you know, I was just looking for like mo- a lot of my friends had moved away. I didn't really know anybody. I didn't feel like I fit in in small town, rural Indiana still. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I had seen the world so to speak and um, was very different person as I was starting to discover myself than I was back then too. So, you know, trying to meet some different people and getting some different groups that weren't the typical go to the bar every Friday and Saturday night type of people. Mm-hmm met my wife we actually found out we actually knew each other when we were in high school her older sister was dating my best friend's brother so we had met you know but there's a an age gap so we didn't really recognize each other back then but yeah ended up getting married about three years after that and um, got the most amazing kids out of the deal i would say so that have really really made me even double down on focusing on getting my mental health right so i can help them with their mental health they've Mm -hmm. gone through a lot of stuff with their in their, in their young lives, um, prior to me coming around that we just, you know, have a basically a higher focus on knowing that they're, they need attention. You know, I, they're 
several of them are in therapy for for their issues and stuff. So we're really just focused on, you know, getting them in. It's you know it's easier to get them in with their issues than it is for for me. Um, there's a lot more child resources here in the area, which I found is common most places. Yeah, I was going to say exactly how were you able to get your kids into therapy, but you're unable to get into therapy. I was going to inquire on that. Yeah, there are actually several child-based therapies in the area that that don't work with adults, which is a good thing, you know, start young. I wish I wish I would have started younger. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's there's one facility here in town that that really gets kids in and it's it was their situation was more intense, like they needed assistance quickly. Mm -hmm. So that that kind of took a priority as well. So I totally just lost my train of thought there. Sorry no about that. Worries. That happens a lot, you'll notice. Um, it's okay. Well, we're talking about really serious stuff, and we were talking about your kids um, getting into for, for therapy easier than it was getting, for you getting into therapy. Yeah, it took it took several doctor recommendations, and it still was a six-month waiting period mm-hmm. to get them in. Um, so it's not near where it should be. It should It shouldn't take months to get in to see a therapist, to see a counselor. Is it an insurance Um, issue or are there really just not that many therapists in the area? There's not that many. I have, honestly, I have through my, my full-time day job, I have amazing insurance. So that's not an issue at all. Okay. It's just, there's not a lot in this area. I mean, the town I live in is, is real small. It's, you know, if the interstate didn't run through here, there wouldn't be a town (laughs) type of, type of place. So, um, you know, we're a four stoplight town. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's just not the resources in this section of, you know, it's kind of a dead zone. Um, okay. It's a, it's, it's a mental health desert, so to speak. There's very few options. Yeah. Well, we need to fix those mental health deserts. That's something yes. that I'm, I'm hoping will, will get better with time across the United States as we begin to prioritize mental health across the board. And it sounds like, for you, you've been through some very serious things um, and you've learned a lot um, from putting on these masks to, to really moving back into family, learning how um, to re-identify uh, yourself and then being able to identify coping strategies that work for you. What are some of the coping strategies that you have found to be the most beneficial? Yeah, so for me, a big one is I talk a lot more. I'm a lot more open, especially with my, with my partner. Um, you know, after we finally get all the kids to bed, we, you know, usually every night we, we, we do a check-in on where we're, where we're at mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you take, you take, you know, usually a half an hour to an hour before we start getting ready for bed and just check in to make sure we're both doing all right. That's been a big one for me. Um, others, I, Rather than focusing into, you know, drinking, I used to host karaoke. So I was at a bar five nights a week, um, hosting and drinking. Now I, I found better pursuits for that. I, you know, I usually if I'm, if I'm not actively with somebody, I'm in a book. Um, books are, they're a great escape, but you can also use them to learn so much. And, you know, depending on the books you choose, they can be eye opening and enlightening to, to your mental health. They can also be detrimental to your mental health. You know, if you read right. the wrong books at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the type with that very vivid imagination. I don't just read a book. I live a book. Um, oh if I'm reading God. a fiction book, I, I am in the book, um, mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. 
So I've got to be very cognizant of the choices I make in, in, in my book selection when I read for pleasure. Okay. Um, but that for me, that's been, even looking back now, as I look back on my childhood, that was, that was my escape before I realized masks. I became characters in books. Um, I started reading at a young age and I devoured books back then through high school. Once I got to college, when it was no longer cool to read, I kind of stopped and let it go to the wayside and would pick it back up here or there. Um, but really in like the last eight to 10 years, I really started getting back into it more. And the last five years have just been consuming. I do a lot of nonfiction. I learn a lot about people, other people's life experiences, just to learn how other people have dealt with similar or different situations because you can always gather knowledge from people that have gone through stuff. And for me, without having somebody I can go talk to all the time, as far as a professional, you know, I read a lot of books about people that have gone through mental health issues, Mm -hmm. you know, and learn. And I, I'm the type that I can gather that knowledge and I can usually start putting it into, into practice in my own life. Um, I'm also the type that I can, like the reverse psychology doesn't work because I know I'm doing it types of things. So, you know, Oh, just, you know, in therapy, when I was in therapy, when I lived out in Iowa, um, you know, they, they teach you these different coping mechanisms, but I would know I'm doing them so they didn't work as well. <laughs> so it's really just funny. You know, figuring out what works for the, what works for you. That's, right. that's the biggest key is not there's, we're not robots. We've all got our own life experiences, our own mental health chemistry mm-hmm. that, that we've got, you know, one pill isn't going to work for everybody. One, one coping mechanism, one type of therapy isn't going to work for every single person. You've got to find, you've got to, you've got to be okay with that trial and error. And I wasn't for the longest time. Mm-hmm. If I started a new medicine and it didn't work within a, within a month, I was like, oh, I just won't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that it was helping, just it wasn't a quick fix. And that's what led to, yeah. And that's what led to my second hospitalization was I just cold turkey stopped taking all my medicines. Oh yeah, that'll do yeah. it. <laughs> and I, that, I went on a major downward spiral. Yeah, that that actually is a common story. Um, by the way, um, that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, but and I, I've learned that you know, I've I've got reminders set on my reminders on my phone <laughs> to remind me to take my medicine every day. Um, so I will forget. It's not top of mind for me. No, and it's not for me either because I take medications as well. And I eventually gave up on that, and I bought a device that tells me. Yeah. And um, so it's called the Hero. Just throwing this out there. Um, it's a it's called a Hero, and it uh, sends it like dings, you know, when it's time for me to take my medications. And then okay. if I don't take my medications by a specific time, it sends texts to my phone. And then if I don't take it by a specific time, it then sends texts to my support system. To oh, let, that's, that's a great idea. To let them know, hey, Seth has not taken his medication. You need to check in on him. Because I have to take medications for seizures. And so, like, it's really important that they get taken on a time time scale. Yes. Um, so, but I just something I might encourage or recommend. Okay. I'll definitely look into that. Thank you. It's um, it's really helpful. It's actually saved my life. Um, so, but in looking at what you've been through, what do you think has been the biggest challenge? I think the biggest challenge for me has been first was overcoming the stigma. 
mm-hmm. and start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was the first big big hurdle that I crossed. Once I started talking about it, there for a while I never shut up about it. <laughs> um, but you know now it's it's, it's the, the biggest hurdle that I that I still face is. Some of it's the stigma still because it's still out there. You know, you've got to know who you can talk to and who you can't because otherwise it can, it can trigger negative responses. Um, the biggest hurdle for me was letting people in. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle with that. Like, I still struggle with letting my kids in to know who their dad is. Letting, you know, letting my wife know who I am. You know, I still, still try to hide things. You know, I... I am a survivor of domestic abuse. Um, I have also a childhood survivor of sexual assault. Okay. Which, as as a guy, you don't talk about that stuff. No. That's the way it's always been. And I'm just finally starting to overcome that and being able to talk about that with more people than just mm-hmm. those really, really close. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I fully believe that that the trauma responses to some of those instances is, is what kind of triggered a lot of things that happened later. Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, I want to apologize that that happened to you. And I would say that for sure has been, I can only imagine how challenging um, that experience, those experiences must have been. Um, What have you found has helped you through that the most? I think you kind of shared it there a little bit at the end, but what what have you found to be the most helpful? Uh, The most helpful for me is, one, just not trying to bury it. Mm-hmm. Um, start talking about it more. Um, it helps to recognize that it happened, recognize that, that it's a part of what made me me. And then knowing that you can't change the past. You can't hide the past. You've got to, in some ways, embrace it. And at least for me, and I know that what works for me is not going to work for everybody. I've embraced it, realized it happened, and I've started talking about it and realizing, you know, helping other people know that Guys, guys go through this too. We're, we're not immune to it just because we're guys. Yes, it may be less often, but it may just be that we don't talk about it because we're told not to. Right. So by talking about it, it makes you feel like you're not alone and you can be yourself again. Mm-hmm. I think that talking is critical and talking is key. And that's one of the whole points of this show um, is really getting people the space and the time to process through. And... You've really, I mean, you're a survivor, in my opinion. Like when we, when I look at your story and I consider what you've been through from what you've shared today, like you are a survivor and you have overcome uh, the hand that was dealt to you, right? We don't get to choose the hand that was dealt, but we get to choose the cards that we play. And I think that you've, you've taken the cards that you were dealt and yeah, you struggled for a little bit, um, knowing how to play those, but it seems like at this point in your life, you've really learned how to play those in a way to not only survive yourself, but be an influence and a positive uh, impact to your kids. Would you agree with that? I would, I would. It was, and I like that analogy you used of, of, you know, playing cards. It's for so long I had a stacked deck Mm -hmm. and, you know, at times I would, I would change the deck. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I was the card shuffler, the card counter. You can only cheat for so long before True. everything comes to a head. You know, the house took me out. Um, it, it, it completely turned my life over, but 
once I learned how to play the cards I had, life has gotten so much easier. You don't have to keep stories straight. You don't have to um, remember who you are with who. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing, you know, back when I was was wearing the mask, it would be nothing worse than having two groups come together that you weren't expecting to come together. And you're completely different people with each group. And now what do you do? You know, right. you, you cut and run. You, you, you know, my, my, my defense there was I would just leave both groups and cut off all ties because I was found out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to address it if I was if I was found out and I just left. I didn't have to address it. Um, but learning that you know how to play the hands I have, the cards I have, to say with that analogy, has been life changing. Really, I mean, it's I'm a completely different person than I was even ten years ago, but I'm a more real person than I was ten years ago, and and that makes all the difference for me. I I don't have to keep stories straight. I don't have to figure out how I'm going to hide something. I, you know what, you're going to like me. You're going to not like me. And this is who I am. This is how I come across. I will make minor adjustments, you know, for professional settings and stuff, but for my own mental health Mm -hmm. to to stay with the progress I've made, I, I can't do that anymore. I've got to be me. And, and that's been, that's been the key to, to the gains I've made over the last years. Yeah. And they're just becoming more and more. I've, I've realized who I am and what I want in life and bring those around me that, that are supportive, Mm -hmm. that understand my mental health background and know that I'm going to, I'm going to slide back sometimes, but are there to support and not, aren't going to cut and run like I used to. Right. It's it's that support system is the key. Yep. And I can't emphasize that enough. The support system is key. And making sure that not only do you have those supports, but reaching out to those supports when you need them um, without fear of judgment uh, is also crucial Uh, because we can have all the supports, but if we don't reach out to them, doesn't make a difference. Uh, Exactly. I was always, always, oh, if they wanted to talk to me, they'd reach out to me. If they really cared how I was doing, they'd reach out to me. It doesn't work that way. 100%. Kudos to my sister. She actually pointed this out to me. I was going through a really rough time and she had said something to me on Facebook and I'm like, well, nobody ever, you know, never calls. She's like, the phone works both ways. And I called you last week. So get over yourself. And that kind of <laughs> was a snap too. I was like, yep, you're right. My bad. Um, so, so I definitely reached out. And, and on the, on the counter position of that, it's, it's getting rid of those people who, you know, we're told to be your support, but aren't supportive, uh-huh. you know, limiting interactions. You know, I've had family members that I've completely cut off. I've had family members that I've really scaled back the interactions and I make sure that they're controlled because I know that they're, they're a trigger for me uh-huh. uh, for, for different reasons. Um, so it, it, it's knowing not everybody that's blood related is family and not everybody that's blood related actually cares. As much as we're told, you you know, your family is what matters. It's the family you choose, not the family that you're born into that matters. Yes, 100%. And making sure that you're utilizing those supports and making sure that they're good impacts um, so that they're people that actually care about your success, not reveling in your your difficulties or your trials. Um, Because there are people out there that will put on the persona that they care, but in the end, they're really just uh, happy when you fail. And so 
you know, you have to be careful in regards to who you trust. But once you know the people that you can, use them, reach out to them, and don't stay alone. Um, because yes. really, when we bury our head into the sand or we um, close that door at home and we stay within those four walls and we just hide, it lets our mind go rampant. And that's when we start believing lies um, about ourselves and about the world. So true. Um, and, and one of the other things I, I've learned is, for me, the online community has been such a great support too. Um, mm-hmm. Being in a small area, um, I am very much left of center, politically views and, and me too, and religious views. And I live in a very conservative area, so it's sometimes a struggle to go out and you know hang out with people in person in the area because we don't have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. So you know, I have my 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 people that are close that I've met that that I can hang out with in person when I need that. But I'm also more of an introvert, so. I can make connections with, with people like yourself, like um, some other people, you know, another guest you had on Matt, the Stefano, I've become really good friends with him online. That's um, awesome. And we talk about a lot of this type of stuff and, you know, knowing that there are other sources out there to find your support than just those that are right in your physical vicinity is mm-hmm. key, mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the world. And, and, you know, the way technology is now, yeah, it's easy to hide behind it, but if you choose not to, but choose to find those that you can trust, you can have those supports that you're not getting elsewhere. Right. And that was a big thing for me too. I've, I've really kind of, you know, everybody's like, Oh, it's social media. It's the internet. Don't trust anything. Don't trust anybody. You know, you, you got to make wise decisions, but you can find your group. If you're diligent about it. Right. And no device. Like when we talk about social media, social media can be damaging. So like when we look at, for example, when we look at the suicide rate across the board right now with teenagers, like a lot of that is a result of social media. But the thing about it is with social media is it's about how you use it. The, everything that we have in the world can be used for either good or bad. Like it, these are things that don't actually hold within them a positive or a negative. The positive or negative comes in how we actually use them. And so that's what this comes down to. And you just have to be very intentional. And that's what I've found is intention is key in developing those relationships and developing what the support system that we need. And there's nothing wrong with having online relationships that are supportive. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, I, I agree totally. And like I said, it's been, for me, it's been great having those online relationships that I can, plus they're, they're more accessible in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. You know, mm-hmm. we all have busy lives. You know, I, I'm a prime example of that I, I have a full-time job. I have seven kids. I have a menagerie of pets and I have a, another professional business that I'm putting in at least full-time hours at. Um, so, you know, to go out and, and be with people is, is a lot more difficult, you know, mm-hmm. it's not easy to find a babysitter for seven kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> I experienced that last night. You know, we went through five different options before we finally found one that that was able to help us last night so I could go to a company work party. But so by, by having that ability to, you know, I can sit on my couch and get on a zoom call with a friend that's, Mm -hmm. you know, on the other side of the country, Mm -hmm. I can, you know, 
grab three or four people and we're in a group chat and we can, you know, talk about what we're struggling with. We can do that anytime, anywhere, you mm-hmm. know, two in the morning. I have, I have, you know, I have people in my support group that, that are in Australia because when I'm awake, they're struggling in the middle of their night. When, when, when I'm struggling in the middle of the night, they're awake in, in the prime of their day. So it's been a, it's been a godsend in, in, in the, those respects because we have the ability to reach out whenever we need it. Yeah. That you wouldn't have locally. Mm-hmm. Even, even if this wasn't a mental health desert, you wouldn't have that locally as, as you do with that online community. That, but you've got to curate it. You, you can't just go blindly into it. Like you said, it's, it's how you use it. Yep. You have to be intentional um, with it. And it sounds like you are, and that's really important. And I'm happy that you're doing so because it sounds like those supports are making a huge difference in your life. They make all the difference. That's, that's, that would be my advice to anybody. Find your good support system. Okay. Be intentional and find it. That's that's been the key to to my better being. I won't say well being because there's still struggles, but it's a better being than I was. And that's all we can hope for is to incrementally improve. And and that's with anything in life, but mental health especially. You're not going to get well overnight. There's not going to be the magic drug, the magic pill, the magic book you read. But garner the truths, garner the good in everything you you do and every and every interaction you have. Find out. How you can grow from that? One percent better every day is one percent better. You're always getting better, and you're going to have dropbacks, but don't let that dropback take you all the way down. Right, and that's the hard thing to stop. Once you start that slide, that is so hard to stop, and that's where that intentional support group has been there for you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to slide. Just FYI, like it's like that's oh, yeah. a reality. Like it's it's a thing. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be um, mistakes that are made. Like this is not an if; it's a when. Yep. I mean, and so that, the the other day it was a rough day at my real job. Um, pardon the language, but shit hit the fan, mm-hmm. and it fell on my head. And you know, the drive home from work, I only live three minutes from my office. But the drive home from work was rough. What's that? You know. It was, you know, man, it, is this really worth it all? Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that evening I got home, hugged the kids, sat on the couch for, you know, put, I had some work stuff, some copy editing to do. And I'm like, you know what? That's going to, that can sit till later, you know, took the time, spent some time with the kids, recentered what the focus really is. It's not, it's not any job. You know, I love both of my jobs, but they're just jobs. Family, you know, my family, I've chosen, they're, they're important to me. You know? Right. They come Three first. I chose. And that, you know, I can always find another job. I can always find some way to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. I can't replace myself or my family. And that, you, so even with as good as I'm doing now compared to where I was, as little as this week, there were times when I don't know if I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. But I tapped into that support system. You know, me and my wife had, we, I think we had an hour and a half long conversation that night about what was going on just to refocus myself and realize that it's not as bad as my catastrophizing mind took it. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've taken a crappy hand and you've learned how to play it. And that's a powerful story that I think a lot of people need to hear. And so, Brent, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It means a lot to me, and it's going to mean a lot to our listeners. Um, I will say 
there's a lot of um, background noise, but I think my listeners are going to be okay with it. You have seven kids. It's just part of it. So if anyone's upset with that, they can deal. Um, I will do the best that I can. But I want to know, um, from your perspective, com- coming from you, how can we promote you? Um, I know you've got an, a book editing service. I know you've got these different things that you're doing. Tell us about sell yourself here. Promote yourself. How can we? How can we get your? How can we get you out there? Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook a lot. I try to do all these TikTok and stuff. I I don't get it. I'm an old guy. <laughs> um, I get it. Um, you can fi- find me on 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 Facebook. I'm I'm happy to connect with anybody. You know, I'll talk with you about anything. It's just my name, Brent Shubler. Um, Ink Drinker Editing and Literary Services. Um, we have a Facebook page. I have a website, inkdrinkerliterary.com. And stay tuned. Coming in late February, we're launching Ink Drinker Literary Society. It'll be a podcast about books. We're going to do some deep dives into some social justice issues um, for the first season. And um, me and my co-host, Nikki, and we're going to be bringing in lots of guests from different backgrounds to talk about some different different issues. All right. Well, everyone, I want you to to look that up. Reach out to Brent if you have any questions. And with that, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Chess. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember that Mental Health Uncovered does not provide any type of therapeutic, clinical, psychiatric, or medical advice and is intended for entertainment purposes only. If you need such care, I encourage you to find such a professional in your community. You can locate and access your local crisis line by calling 988. Thanks again for listening. Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Ooh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Grammy-winning artist SZA releases her long-awaited sophomore album, S.O.S., which includes fan favorites like Good Days, Shirt, and I Hate You, in addition to the new single, Nobody Gets Me. How am I supposed to tell you? I don't want to see you with anyone but me. Nobody gets me like you. You can also find special guest appearances from artists like Travis Scott, Phoebe Bridgers, Don Tolliver, and ODB. S.O.S. is available across all platforms. Listen now.